All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. Good morning to you. See some folks still trickling in, but we'll go ahead and jump start this morning. So we've, this is the seventh week. It's kind of hard for me to believe. Maybe it feels long to you, but it doesn't. We just began the Ten Commandments, and here we are, week seven of our sermon series on that particular part of Exodus for our adult education. Uh, out of eleven weeks, so a few more to go. So we're continuing to look at the Ten Commandments as a way of life, a life of freedom. Uh, And as we're trying to do each week with our adult education series, to uh, hoping to see it dovetail with our sermon series, so that the two are really working together in getting us to to think and begin to wrestle, for those of us here, uh, preparing us to go into a worship service to hopefully uh, have the the ears cleaned out a little bit better so we can hear the Word of God and be transformed uh, as He continues to work on us and through us in the days ahead. Is is, is the volume okay? Is that too... That's all right? Okay. Steve, you were adjusting, so thank you for being the the adjuster back there. Let's take a moment to pray and ask that, uh, that God would awaken us to His Word. Our gracious God, we thank you for giving us your word, for revealing yourself to us in the person of Jesus, for uh, for speaking to us uh, through your word, the the Bible, and for giving us these commands. And Lord, we confess we have a lot of of baggage when it comes to the commandments, things that we misunderstand, things that we, we don't yet understand, and we need you to do a work in us to help us to really see them as being part of this life of freedom that you're calling us to. And as you are working in us, uh, becoming more and more dead to sin and more and more alive to righteousness, to right living, to right relating to you and to one another. And so we commit this morning to you uh, toward that end and that it would bring you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So hopefully you've got a handout, a green sheet this week. And I want to bring us back just as I have each of the weeks to this quote from J.I. Packer. Uh, And for anybody that this is your first time here, this series is based on his book, Keeping the Ten Commandments. But this is such a great summary statement, I think, and it just helps to hear it again and again. It begins to make more and more sense as we keep hearing it. God's love gave us the law just as His love gave us the gospel. And as there is no spiritual life for us save through the gospel, which points us to Jesus Christ the Savior, so there is no spiritual health for us save as we seek in Christ's strength to keep the law and practice the love of God and neighbor for which it calls. And that brings us to the sixth commandment in Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. Now, what did you think of this command growing up? You know, last week we we looked at what did we think of the command, honor your father and mother, and a lot of us as kids in particular 
We didn't really, that wasn't one of our favorite commandments. Um, but what did you think of this one? Or did you think of this one growing up? No problem. I'm not going to go out and murder somebody. Yeah, right. So check. I mean, at least if we're having trouble with the rest, a big check mark right there. Okay. Mm. Okay, we're going to come to that in a minute. The difference in the, uh, you shall not kill and you shall not murder. We're going to touch on that here as well as uh, in the sermon. Yeah, Nelson's talking about the, the bloodiness of the Old Testament. It's definitely a, a rated R book. Um, but we're going to look at the distinction in the word used here in, in just a moment. <clears throat> so what, what were any other thoughts that you had as a kid? See, I think that's part of it. We're like, well, it's like Candy said, check. I move on. Now, now for me, I really liked watching The Lone Ranger reruns, of course, uh, Bonanza, and uh, it kind of took the fun out of those for me, because I just really felt guilty, you know, beginning to watch it, but I also realized, which I did, you know, watch it when they were primetime, the A-Team. Anyone ever watch the A-Team? You see, this doesn't apply to the A-Team, because no matter how many explosives they had, how many gunfire, no one ever got hurt in the A-Team. I couldn't figure that one out. But you know, I think also very much for me is the sense of well, that's what bad, that's what bad people do. And, and I'm mostly a good person, so that, this doesn't apply to me. Well, how would you say this commandment is generally viewed today? About the same. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? Oh, okay. So the medics in, in war, a lot of times, the ones that you experienced were conscientious, conscientious objectors. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 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 We're not gonna we're we're not gonna be able to touch on on the war issue a whole lot, but I am gonna make that distinction in a minute. And I'm not sure how much that's going to be un- unpacked today, but I think Brandon's going to do more with it. See, we're trying not to do this exact same stuff. <laughs> but it's good that we're, but that we're asking, yeah, good. It's good that we're, we're asking those same questions. You know, I was, I was thinking about it in, in the relative sense of our culture today. And we might look at it as, you know, that's, that is a good thing. You shall not murder, that is a good thing. We're applicable. Um, and uh, we, we begin to relativize uh, just how we view, I mean, as we do with each of the, each of the commands. Well, let me, uh, let's get into the commandment a bit. So, of course, always beginning, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery. I am your God. You are my people, my beloved covenant people. I'm showing you how to live 
the most beautiful life within this, this context of being my people, me being your God. Therefore, you shall not murder. And that gets us to the word here. And, and, and the word used here for murder, it signifies malicious and unlawful killing. Malicious and unlawful killing. It also covers causing human death through carelessness or negligence. Now, as was pointed out already, sometimes translations use the word kill. You shall not kill. Uh, but murder is a, is a more accurate translation for what is, what's being spoken of here. Uh, so you shall not murder. Now, what is not being referred to in the Sixth Commandment? Judicial execution and killing in war. That's not being referred to here. And I realize there are varying views on the death penalty, on war. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that and I'm not trying to open that up for discussion at this point. But just pointing to the fact that this verse should not be used to make a case for those. You might go somewhere else in, in Scripture, but this, this, is not, uh, this is not the place for it. In fact, in the, in the context of the Ten Commandments, uh, given in Exodus and then repeated in Deuteronomy, uh, those very things, judicial execution and killing and war, are referred to then later. Um, and I think, I think Nelson was pointing that out a, a moment ago. So what is in view here is, is personal morality. And of course, to the, the Jewish ear, they always hear that. They don't hear it as individualistically as we do, but they always hear it in the context of the larger community. But it does have to do with how I am being shaped and formed and responding to people around me. And so the, the underlying principle of the Sixth Commandment would be the sanctity of life. And J.I. Packer refers to it this way, uh, looking at the underlying principle of this command, that human life is holy. First, because it is God's gift, and second, because man bears God's image. Human life is thus the most precious and sacred thing in the world, and to end it or direct its ending is God's prerogative alone. We honor God by respecting His image in each other, which means consistently preserving life and furthering each other's welfare in all possible ways. You shall not murder. So what, what actions are prohibited uh, by this command? Well, I want to list four of them. And then we'll, uh, we'll begin to apply it a bit more. So first, the commandment rules out all cruelty or violence. Cruelty or violence that could weaken or shorten another person's life. Second, the commandment rules out abortion uh, because, it, and, and of course, genetic uh, science confirms this, but because the, the fetus is a human being as well. Now, a human being on the way, on, uh, in, the, in process, we might say, but nonetheless, a human being. And third, the commandment rules out suicide and euthanasia. 
Now, it was, it was once uh, talked about as suicide as an unforgivable sin, but that wasn't recognizing the, the fact that one of our issues is that we actually break all the commands. Um, and so it's, it's now generally seen from an orthodox standpoint that it's, it, it's not in a, any category of an unforgivable sin, that God's grace still uh, applies as it does to, to all of our sins uh, as we break God's law. But anyway, suicide being seen as self-murder. And then euthanasia, and I I found this helpful from Dr. Packer, looking at it in two ways. It's either suicide by remote control, or it's murder based on the idea that we can lawfully put people out of their misery. So either, on on the one hand, for for the individual, suicide by remote control, someone helping that person take their life, or for the person doing the helping, uh, being seen on murder, just based on this uh, idea that we could take someone's life to put them out of their misery. Now, I'm not saying it's not a complicated issue, but I'm going to also keep us moving to the fourth area. Because as Candy pointed out, when most of us were young, we're thinking, doesn't apply. But... The command also rules out malice, the desire to diminish someone, the desire to count someone dead, to write them off. In a sense, we we talked about that a little bit uh, last week in in the sermon with regard to honoring fathers and mothers, that one of the ways that we honor is to to recognize, not to just write off, I'm just, I'm a grown up and I'm going to move on. Now, Jesus emphasized this in in his Sermon on the Mount. I heard a a couple of folks, I think, already this morning turning to Matthew 5, where he gives an exposition of the law, helps us to see it more fully in a deeper sense. And so I want to read this section to you. Uh, Jesus speaking here in Matthew 5, uh, verses 21 and 22. And if you're turning there, it's on page... 810. So Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, You fool! will be liable to the hell of fire. So now it's starting to get a little closer to home. Uh, We begin to think about our hearts and what is being harbored in, in our hearts. And one commentator put it this way, hate in the heart can be just as much murder as violence against the person. Hate in the heart can be just as much murder as violence against the person. You shall not murder. So how is your heart this morning? Not trying to heap any guilt on anybody, because there's good news still, but begin examining our hearts. Any road rage lately? You know that, mm-hmm, who pulled in front of me and cut me off, almost ran me off the road? 
Maybe that happened this morning. A little road rage, and then you're like, oh man, i got to get more holy now because that was just not very good. I'm on my way to church. But you know, that begins to express something that's within us. Are you harboring anger against anyone? Uh, Maybe a family member. Maybe a colleague. Maybe someone at this church. And then as I was beginning to think this, the the place where I'm often exposed is if I'm watching a a film, an action movie, and I begin to recognize some of the things that are, are being exposed in my heart because... In many of those films, by the end, the good guy gets the bad guy, and I am just so glad. I am just, you take it to them. I'm not going to go any further than that because I might start getting animated. Um, and, and, I, and I can think, I mean, I can think of a, of a couple of films that ended, and because of the way they portrayed the bad guy in the film, I was filled with rage and was so glad. Or if it's a movie today where there's a lot of loose ends at the end and they're not taken care of, oh, man. Like, I'm ready to write the writer of that or the director. You need to finish this guy off. Now, we like to see justice, and and that's a good thing. But what else is being exposed in our hearts? Now, another place I think of it for men and maybe for some of you women uh, can happen for those who are really excited about sporting events. Um, And I can think of times when I was watching a sporting event, typically college football, and somebody from my team just slammed a guy on the other team. And I would then recognize that I was hoping that guy didn't get up. Not that he was dead. But I really was hoping this will help my team. Just get him off. And I sit there and go, this, this, is, this is really ugly. Um, so what, what is exposed? What has been, and maybe I should ask you, what are some examples, just briefly, some examples of things that begin to expose this type of murder in our hearts? I gave you a couple examples. Are there, are there any other examples? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, and, and, and most, uh, most commentators will end up putting, most theologians as they unpack this command will eventually get to gossip. And I know you guys have just moved down here from the north. One of the wonderful things that we say in the south, not so wonderful, we get, the way we couch our gossip, you guys know? Bless her heart. And then we just start talking about her. Bless his heart. And then we tear him down. Yeah, yeah. Now you see, and sometimes depending on on, on the the context, our hearts have become callous to even being exposed. And so that's why I'm I'm bringing these up so that we can start to to hear and think about some of those areas because when they are exposed, we're able to come to a God who says, I will change you. I want to change you. Now I want to ask you this as well. Why should hate? Uh, be bracketed with murder, be, be included, grouped with murder. The opposite of love. Yeah. 
And that's, so we're being, we're being called to be love God, love neighbor people, not hate God, hate neighbor people. Yeah. What else? Anything else? And that, you know, that brings up a good point. Most of the time, murder, as, as we're talking about, and, you know, the hard thing about looking at any of these commands is trying to sum them up in, you know, a half hour. Um, most of the time, as, as we're looking at murder, hate will be the very seed that's now taking full bloom. But, one of the things that I, I was pointing out earlier, this word here also, the word used for murder also uh, covers causing human death through carelessness or negligence. Now that's a scary one for me because I could go out with no intent or no hate and be careless and run someone off the road. So, now I know, I know that probably opens up a lot, so I'm going to leave that to, to our next pastor in uh, the next hour. Um, but I, I want to get us. I want to get us talking for a moment in in groups. Uh, and so here are here's some of the questions as we think about implications of this command. So implications of the command. How do you typically cope with feelings of fury and hatred against others? Does the gospel call you to a different response? And then I wanted to give a little bit more there. So, for example, what does Jesus say about responding to our enemies? What does he say about conflict just after his exposition of the sixth commandment in Matthew 5? So it will be very interesting to go take a look at that. Just the, the, the first two verses after that, Matthew 5, what would that be, 23 and 24. And then how are we able to grow in obedience uh, to, to his teaching. And then, of course, a, a question that I'd love for you to start wrestling with if you have time uh, in your groups, but we'll talk about a little bit more afterwards, is what would Grace Covenant look like if this command were fully embraced by the church? Um, so there are a lot of directions we could go with you shall not murder, but I definitely wanted to, to begin to bring it home in, in a way that the places where we most of us as a whole really wrestle um, in the very thing that Jesus was able to, to put his finger on. In verse, you know, Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22 really hurt. 23 and 24 begin to remind us of the gospel and something beautiful that can happen being the people of God. Okay, so groups of uh, three, two, three, four, uh, however you want to do that, and um, we'll take about 10 minutes.
All right. Good discussion. I think I think one of the things I, I, I noticed is that we're we're wrestling with the fact that it's not just this simple black and white thing. You know, when when we when we thought about it as kind of the, the kids, well, if I just don't kill anybody, like check. But then we begin to get into the hard issues and we go, Oh, this is difficult. And sometimes my actions may even be restrained, which is good, but that Jesus is continually getting at heart issues, wanting the heart to be right. Um, Because most of the time, the actions eventually follow the heart. Well, what uh, what would Grace Covenant look like if we fully embraced this command? We look more more like Jesus. In what ways? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the good news is that is where we're headed. Those of us who have faith in Christ, that we're headed to to one day when we see the two tables of the law lived out fully in perfect freedom, and those are the very desires of our heart. So you know, and with with Romans eight, that we are being conformed to the likeness of Christ. And then on the other hand, the interesting thing is is uh, as Jesus begins to point more and more. At the heart issues, uh, exposing those in Sermon on the Mount is, and there's a, there's a statement there at, at the end of this the section that we briefly looked at in Matthew five. I think it's at the end of that section where he says, "Be holy, because I am holy." But we can come to Sermon on the Mount, just like we can come to the Ten Commandments, and think that there's an expectation that we're not going to sin. And yet, I don't know if you remember uh, one of the early sermons as we were preparing to go in the Ten Commandments, we looked at what is given right after them in Exodus 20 and its provisions uh, for sacrifice. And also, did anyone look up what Jesus says uh, right after, okay, right after the short exposition of you shall not murder? What, what did you notice? He spoke about reconciliation. So there was even the assumption that there will be times when you recognize, because God has, has exposed that, not to condemn you, but to change you, and so that you can go to your brother or sister. Now, reconciliation takes two parties to be in a relationship that's harmonious, but we also know that we can forgive uh, even if there isn't, even if that isn't received from the other party. Now, I realize that's another can of worms. Um. Hmm.
Yeah, so I, I think that's a great point. Within, within the community of, of Grace Covenant, I mean, as, as, as well as our community as the people of God overall, we would grow in humility. We wouldn't be surprised by the sin, just as Jesus isn't. Um, but we would, be, we, would point, we would be pointed and pointing one another to Christ, who does this work. We'd be quick to confess to one another, uh, quick to uh, forgive, to receive forgiveness. Um, I, I think that would, I think that, that's some of the stuff that we would begin to really see worked out. And sometimes I, I also think what Jesus is getting at in that passage and why he says, if you bring your offering and there remember, because why do you remember? Because God is reminding you. Uh, and there, then you need to go and, and, and make things right with that person. Okay, I totally lost my train of thought. I'm sure it was a decent train of thought, but it's it's gone. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and Paul gets at that uh, Romans. I think Romans 10 is. 12. Anyway, as much as possible, live in peace with one another. As possible is with you. I, I had a relationship with someone in, in Vancouver where I was really frustrated because we couldn't get to a place of peace. And I, I went and talked to a, an older brother in, in the Lord who counseled me in a, in a lot of ways. And he said, are, are you trying to live at peace with this other brother in Christ? And I said, yes. And he said, you can't make it happen. And so, and that was, that was very freeing. For me, I think what I was going to get at a second ago is that sometimes with the issues of anger or hate or bitterness, like I'm really mad at Nelson, and I think, okay, I'm going to suck it up for a while because I think I'll get over this, and I see him the next week, and it's still there. Okay, I'm going to try harder, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get over this, and it really, all of a sudden, I'm turning really more and more and more inward. When we get to biblical conflict resolution in the, in, with our fall series, we're going to talk about um, the times when letting things go is appropriate. Um, but at this point, I'm, I'm talking about there may be a time when I just have to quickly pull Nelson aside and say, Nelson, I'm harbor- you, know, you did this, and I'm harboring anger towards you. And we begin to dialogue as brothers. Because I'm not coming on my high horse. I'm coming humbly. It may also be a case... Where I come and say, Nelson, you, you did this, and, and when I rationalize, in no way do I think you meant to offend me. But this is, uh, this is a foothold for Satan, and I find I'm growing in bitterness. Can we talk and can we pray about it? And whew, extinguishing it with the gospel. And then in that conversation, Nelson and I begin to believe the gospel even more. So some beautiful ways that we could be marked as a community. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and if, if, you were, if you were here when we were going through the, um, I was about to say the Ten Commandments, you're here for that. If you were here when we were going through the Lord's Prayer, and we got to forgive as you have been forgiven, uh, and I, I ended that looking at uh, Corrie ten Boom, who was uh, standing before one of her Nazi captors. One of the interesting things is, I may go to Nelson, and my heart may still feel really hard. So it may not be the changed heart first, but it's in that trusting obedience of the Lord that as I come out, and take my brother's hand, as, as Corey describes in that story, that, that obedience, that step of faith, begins to lead to the heart change. Um, well, it's, it's almost 10.15, and I want to give you just about a minute to just pray personally as you need to pray right now, and uh, then I'll close this in just a moment. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you do expose us, but that you do so not to condemn us, but to, to transform us. And that you do that is, is the, the overflowing grace that flows from, from Jesus' finished work on the cross as it continually overflows into our lives today. And we confess that there are places where we are murderers. And we, we ask for forgiveness there. We also ask for change. And Lord, we thank you that you, the giver of life, are so much greater than any sin we could ever commit. And we look forward to the day uh, that we do live fully like Jesus, as love God, love neighbor people. Until that day, amen.